All right, that'll make it easier. All right. That was about half of the editing time in the last episode was just trying to match up everybody's files because I think Bree started like five minutes before you and I did and you started a minute before I did. And you had to hey. you had to work so hard giving me this accent as well on top of everything else. So yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not gonna I'm yeah. not gonna apologize for being prepared while the rest of you were slow. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, people don't realize how how difficult it is to make Delta Baryon sound like he's. Yeah, I'm actually from Texas. It's this it's the strangest. That it's it's right. amazing <laughs> what you can do with deepfakes these days. <laughs> Modcast. I'm Matthew, aka Cicero's Assassin, joined once again by my friends and co-moderators, Delta Baryon. Hello, Delta. Hello. And Bree Shark. Hi, Bree. Hello. How are you? Good. Good. I'm excited to be back for our third episode. Uh, we continue to get pretty good feedback on uh, what we've been doing so far. People seem to like the show and get to uh, getting to see kind of behind the scenes of what we all talk about um, when we're when we're moderating men's lube. So um, yeah, I, I'm I'm excited about how this project is going so far. Yeah, me too. And um, I have to say, I was a little bit disappointed with the hate mail uh, with last week's podcast. And it seems like someone got the message and really stepped it up in the intermediate time. So right. we got some <laughs> we got some good stuff ready to go. Yep. <laughs> Well, before we get to that, I guess we should just jump into some uh, substantive posts here. Um, was there anything that you two thought really stuck out from this past week that we talked about on the Men's Lib subreddit? I would like to pull a Delta and talk about a post that I submitted. Okay. okay. Um, so the one I'm looking at is the post on uh, death by incarceration uh, and what that looks like in Pennsylvania. Uh, it's specifically about how uh, men who are uh, who are given life in prison uh, without hope for parole, uh, how they are cared for in you know there's one prison in I was in Pennsylvania like the title suggests. Um, it's not really long. Um, it's more just uh, by the facts. You know, giving examples of, you know, some of these, what some of the imprisoned are doing, how they got there, and da 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 da. Um, so the discussion seemed to be more geared towards, you know, what exactly, uh, how exactly can these men be helped? Uh, because they've been, in, a lot of these people have been in prison for, decades they've been cut off from family from friends you know civilian life so one of the the top comment is you know what do we do with this person who you know doesn't have much to go back to is it better for them to stay in prison where they're actually getting care or risk not getting care but not having any connections when they get out of prison um so and it's, it also lead into a, a larger discussion of the prison system in the U.S. in general. You know, it's 
not great. Uh, the U.S. had more people. <laughs> it, it, that, it's, it's obviously a, a, a bit of an understatement. Uh, the U.S. has the largest prison population of pretty much any developed world. Um, right. And the conditions within those prisons are also not great. Uh, a lot of human rights abuses, slavery, you know, that's actually legalized. And sure. I also also linked an article in my submission statement uh, talking about uh, how some doctors and some prisons, they'll, they are just walking medical malpractice cases, but they're still allowed to practice, you know, they're just let off the hook. And it just seems, and obviously the reason is, well, they're prisoners, so why should we give them the best and why should we, you know, care? And there's also this, uh, it kind of alluded to the discussion on prison abolition a little bit, even though if it wasn't said outright. You know, there's this debate about, okay, well, obviously most people who, well, at least a lot of people who are in prison don't really deserve to be there, especially for that long. But sure. what do we do with really, really violent offenders who we aren't sure can be re- rehabilitated? Because usually with uh, prison abolition, the idea is to move towards a rehabilitative system rather than a retributive system. You know, instead of punishing people, making sure that they don't reoffend, because you know the way that our prison system works now, uh, it's it leads a lot into uh, recidivism. You know, people committing the same crime that got them in there in the first place. Once they're back in, once they're committing the same crime that got them in there in the first place, once they're out and then being put back into prison. So. Um, yeah, so it's it's right. Really, so you, yeah. so you had so you had kind of three different uh, uh, like threads going in that in that discussion. Um, one of them was, uh, as you mentioned, the uh, ongoing and often unpunished abuses in the in the penal system in the in the carceral system, uh, and uh, I, I think you make a really good point that that one your point really resonates with me. Um, on another podcast where we talk about food issues, we've talked a lot about um, food in prisons and how there's sort of a, an overwhelming um, attitude, like public attitude, that, well, these people are prisoners. You know, they've, they've already committed offenses against society, so why do we care what they're eating? You know, which just serves to further humiliate and dehumanize the people who are in there. Right. Um, you've got the you've got the thread on uh, several people brought up um, and and this comment that you mentioned that was from member Mike D85, uh, which I thought was was very good, which was uh, referring to the idea of institutionalization. You know, you had a number of people in the thread bring up uh, the Shawshank Redemption, where you have you know the the guy who gets released from prison and has no sort of social support network to help him reintegrate into society. And of course, in the movie, he ends up killing himself. Uh, and so uh, Mike D85 said, you know, like, what are we, if we release them, is that actually more kind than keeping them in prison at this point, knowing that they can't 
you know, that they haven't been rehabilitated and that there's no structure in place to help reintegrate them into society. And then, as you also referred to, uh, a much broader discussion popped up about, you know, the nature of carceral justice. And, you know, is it right that we're giving people uh, a, a life penalty without chance of parole when, you know, when maybe we could reorient or reorganize our criminal justice system to serve the interests of you know, protection and rehabilitation and trying to reintegrate these people into society. Yeah. And there, there I, I know uh, I'm aware of some programs, uh, not necessarily by name, but there are some efforts to uh, reintegrate um, felons into society, you know, giving them job training or well, they're mostly about job training, but there, there are ways of doing that. Um, but it would obviously be nice if the idea of giving that support network to uh, former felons, former convicts to better integrate, which that was more uh, a widespread option. At least that would be put you know, on the table instead of just people throwing right. them away just because. Yeah, I'm curious, uh, Delta, if you have any uh, particular insights into this, because obviously you're in the UK and uh, I, I don't actually know what the carceral system looks like in the UK. Is it it does it resemble the US system? Is there more of a focus on rehabilitation? I would say within Europe, the UK has adopted a more American like model than most of our immediate neighbors have. Okay. So quite a lot of the time when we talk about the problems that you guys are having over in America, it, it tends to be that uh, I recognize a lot of what you're talking about, but for you guys, it seems like it's kind of been turned up to 11, if that makes any amount of sense. Sure. So, you know, we had, um, we have, we have problems with knife violence, for instance. You guys have problems with gun violence. It's like one way to sort of look at it. Okay, yeah. Um, and so, so we have a, a comparatively smaller prison population than the USA, but we also have very high reoffending rates. And we have, as far as I'm aware, the, the largest prison population in Europe, but I, I don't have the stats in front of me. So if we're actually in the top three or something instead of number one, then, yeah. you know, per, it per is capita, what it is. you mean? Yeah, sure. Yeah, oh yeah, per capita, uh, sure. I mean, otherwise it's going to be um, Russia, presumably, right? Right, but, right. Yeah. Um, but so it's it's all kind of familiar. And I think the, the counter example that you really, I think, are going to want to look at rather than the UK would be Norway, right? Norway is kind of your poster child for how to do prison differently. So Norwegian I, think prisons, I think I've seen some pictures there where like you don't keep people in a like a concrete cell with bars. They more or less are staying in what looks like, I don't know, like a Holiday Inn Express or something. You know, yeah, where, like, they like kind of, they kind of look like college dorm rooms a little bit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Where you're not doing that sort of dehumanizing thing and treating somebody like a like a number or a commodity, which you know that's part of the problem with the American justice system is you know the privatized prisons do want to keep people coming in those doors and then spend as little money as possible. Um, yeah, whereas, I, yeah, 
And it seems like if you allow people, even very violent offenders, to exist in an environment that isn't, you know, like an American prison, then actually they behave more like people and less like uh, prisoners, if that makes sense. So, so the guards, um, I don't think they even carry tasers in Norway. You know, it, it's a very different kind of mindset. Right. But then... I think it also ties into something else that that kind of happens when you talk about prison, particularly on the internet, where, you know, um, I think people will tend to talk about the kind of the worst and the worst. Your your Adolf Eichmanns and your uh, Anders Breiviks and your Osama Bin Ladens and and so on and so forth. Jeffrey Dahmer sort of guys. Yeah, Yeah. and... And the thing is, most of the guys in the article that Bray linked are not, you know, they are not, generally speaking, Osama Bin Laden's. They are people who did something terrible maybe 40 years ago, but they are fundamentally different people now to the people they were when they actually went and committed the crime. Right. And I think that when someone says in the heat of the moment, oh, you know, lock them up and throw them away the key, they're not, they're not actually thinking about the sort of, um, care home situation that's going to be developed sort of, you know, that, that inevitably comes out of that declaration, right? Yeah. And yeah, there's going to have to be end of life care. If, if yeah. you're keeping people in there for life, there's going to have to be end of life care. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I don't think, I don't think that's really being thought about. And I think, I think, um, if you think about someone like Anders Breivik, it's quite interesting in particular because Norway actually has a constitutional limit on how long you can be incarcerated. So the Norwegian government is at some point going to have to decide either we alter the constitution to keep this guy locked up. Right. Or he's going to have to be released. Right. I don't mm. know if they've come to a decision on that actually. Yeah. But the, the thing that's quite interesting is that you're, the conversation always starts with people like Breivik, but actually, uh, you know, your, your population of Breiviks and Bin Ladens and whatever, you know, that's, that's quite a small number of people. And whenever you bring in legislation that involves locking people up indefinitely, it's inevitably applied to people who I think arguably don't deserve it. Like, don't fall into that category of people who are kind of, beyond um any hope of rehabilitation sure well Bri, i thought it was a i thought it was a terrific article and of course you know the the preponderance of men in the criminal criminal justice system um, particularly men of color is obviously a topic that we've uh talked about on men's lib quite a bit i liked this post because it looked at you know an aspect of that problem that i don't think i'd ever really uh, seen anybody talk about before um, this idea of you know what do you do with these men at the end of of their lives? Yeah, honestly, I never really thought about it too until I found this article. Uh, I think I think I just came across this one randomly because I think I was looking for a topic concerning um, uh, disabled men or you know men with disabilities or. Maybe I was looking for something involving prison, and then this just came came in my lap. You know, I was just doing research for something to just to bring on a sub, just to you know vary the content. You know, sure. So I'm, I'm glad I found it. Yeah, and uh, I think the community really responded to that well. Yeah. Um. So so one that that stuck out to me from our top 
discussions of the past week was um, we had another post about porn and it was literally just a just a let's talk about porn. And I thought it was really interesting to see um, how people responded to that and talking about um, like why they use porn, their various concerns about using porn. Um, you saw a lot of people in there going, I'm not sure who like professionally created hardcore porn is supposed to be appealing to because um, it just feels very fake and exploitative and weirdly violent. You had a lot of people saying, you know, that, you know, it's it's all about, you know, amateur stuff for me at this point, because they at least look like they're having fun. Um, mm -hmm. But also some, you know, some reflections on uh, from from some of our our women members um, saying, you know, this this is actually an issue that's come up in my dating life where, you know, I'll I'll go home with a guy and he starts reenacting a Brazzers scene or something like that. Um, and it's like, have you, have you so you're not interested in my pleasure at all. This is all about kind of what you've seen before, you know, this is the, the exemplary sexual encounter is this really odd, hardcore, not really oriented toward, you know, partners enjoying each other sort of thing. Um, we've had lots of posts about porn before. And in fact, we have sort of a soft moratorium on the topic, but, um, you, you had a lot of interaction with this one post. Yeah. Um, and as somebody that got, um, you know, flack for having the audacity to lock it after a while, even after I, well, full disclosure, yeah, I did say that uh, I wasn't going to lock it or that we, the moderators, were going to lock it. <laughs> right, um, we were not going to lock it, but then we did lock it. <laughs> but but then I did because uh, it's like, okay, uh, there was, yeah, it, not that I don't necessarily there, there is a lot of, you know, um, basically, you, you mentioned it where the our female subscribers and users would mention, oh, uh, I had porn-related problems in my dating life. In even one of the people who uh, was commenting the most about it, uh, apparently she was in porn at some point. I think that's what she said. Um, okay. But then you have a uh, few of our male subscribers uh, basically telling her and the other women in a thread, you know, that's, you know, this seems like a personal problem, you know, that's basically telling them that their problems aren't real. Yeah. Um, and people getting very defensive about their own use of porn or their own consumption of, you know. And and to and to be perfectly clear, like I don't think that men's lib has a like an anti-porn stance. You know, we're not. Oh uh, right, no, we're not. We're not doing that. Uh, I don't know, like proud boy or like hotep thing, where <laughs> yeah, you know, like eroticism is completely off the table. You know, it's just like everything else that we talk about. It's important that we're confronting our own societal expectations and the way that we've been enculturated to enjoy different things. And porn should be part of that discussion. Yeah, that's that's kind of a thing I've wanted to at least talk about in its own right on the sub. Um, but I've talked about it uh, in the Slack 
kind of like a meta type thing where it's there's this and and I get it um, for the stuff that I enjoy uh, that may be quote unquote problematic. problematic. Uh, <laughs> there's this tendency to be defensive when uh, a hobby that you enjoy is critiqued in a way. Not necessarily in the way that it are told to be that you should stop indulging in this thing, but just having any sort of critical lens being put on it. You know, this happens with sports, games, and porn, like we're talking about now. Yeah, sure. And- Video games, um, all of the uh, all of the discourse we've seen recently about you know, are Marvel movies high cinema or something like that? People get very defensive when you actually put you know a critical lens over the thing that they they've made part of their identity that this is a thing that i enjoy so you know why why am i being attacked right now yeah and in in specifically for like male dominated hobbies there's this idea that people who you know take a critical eye on uh these hobbies these activities and these forms of media that the intention is to take them away or to shame men for enjoying them. Like this is a conversation that I had on the sub where I was arguing with somebody about grilling. You know, the the article in question was just oh, like about, grilling out like just like, like just, at a barbecue. Like just grilling. Yeah in a barbecue. Yeah. It, the the article in question was about, well, why is grilling associated with men why do we associate why do we think that men should be at the grill and women not and the article didn't really like say that grilling in itself was bad or that men were bad for grilling it just said it just asked the question and the answer was well it's probably marketing and that's it that's <laughs> right yeah th- i mean that, it's it's, uh, it's it's tim allen it's george foreman you know all of the like 1950s leave it to beaver style you know picture of like the american backyard where it's always dad working the grill and mom is making the jello salad or whatever and i think the reason for that actual um marketing tactic was that at the time the people selling uh what we'd call barbecues i guess maybe maybe you guys in texas call them grills is that you know you Basically, they didn't think that they could sell a second redundant cooking appliance to someone who already had the kitchen, uh, right? So if yeah. you if you if if you sell it to the men and say this is the thing that you can cook on, and if you're cooking red meat on it, then that's that's manly and that's okay. You can kind of uh, double dip by selling more cooking appliances to your <laughs> sure. family. Yeah. That 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 sounds like how it was for clothes. You know, clothes used to be more gender neutral, but then you know. Uh, clothing companies wanted to sell more, so they just made boys' clothes and girls' clothes, and then that's why we have different sets of clothes for different genders. Even though you, there's like that picture floating around of, I think it's FDR, uh, one of our former U.S. presidents, where he was wearing a dress as a kid. You know, that type of clothing was. Oh yeah, pretty common thing. You know, back back in the back around the turn of the twentieth century, I think was that you know little boys also wore these sort of like frilly nightgown things. Yeah, um, and to bring it back to the point of like male dominated hobbies, it there seem the main thing I was getting at is that 
for some reason, a lot of men, I get this is more of a observation of my own and may not necessarily be true, but there's this tendency for a lot of men to be way more defensive over uh, some things like sexism and things like that being pointed out in uh, a particular hobby. Even when the intention is expressly made by somebody who also enjoys the hobby and who made it clear that they don't want to take the hobby away, there's still this paranoia, I guess, of that paranoia that they're are being shamed for being a man and liking these male things. You know, it's it's that it's the uh, he, she who should not be named thing again. Uh, <laughs> right. That that one critic of video games that we should never speak of. I think um, if anyone has. Uh, is is listening to this and hasn't watched the Angry Jack videos? They're they're a little dated, but there's a there's a series of videos by Innuendo Studios called "Why Are You So Angry?" that goes a little bit into that kind of defensiveness. And I think there are things about that series that haven't aged very well. Um, it is a few years old now, but it does give a very good overview of of why I think some guys get defensive when you kind of critique parts of their hobby, or even if you're not uh, interacting it with it in the way that they personally would. So, so the example that you give is that you meet someone at a barbecue who's vegetarian, right? And by speaking to this person, uh, you realize that this person has made a different set of decisions from you and are then forced to reevaluate your own decisions. Right. And mm-hmm. it could well be that you're not in any particular mood to do that. You know, you're just hanging out with your mates, having a good time. And suddenly I'm thinking about, well, is it morally right for me to be eating this hot dog that I'm eating, right? Yeah. And this is this is absolutely no fault of the person that they're speaking to. All that they've done is show up and exist. But if you're not aware that that's the mental backlash that you're having, it's very easy for you to respond to that by getting angry at the person who's forced you to have that moment of self-reflection. Sure. Yeah, I think the uh, the psychological term, or at least I've seen it in a paper or two, is called do-gooder derogation. Um, which speaks directly to that sort of um, it speaks to that kind of that cognitive dissonance that happens where all of a sudden you are, I I think you're right dealt that all of a sudden you're confronting, you know, somebody is saying, you know, there's, there's a better way to be doing this thing. Um, So, you know, bringing it back to porn, for instance, if somebody shows up in a discussion and says, you know, that this, you know, this, this, market can be very exploitative or it promotes bad attitudes or something you know all all i was trying to do was jerk off um so that makes me very uncomfortable right now because that (laughs) is that is that's a boner killer right like you you've killed my boner now by bringing up these issues with this thing that i was consuming more or less without thinking about it just just for the just for the endorphin rush that that i needed you know, while I was while I was looking at the porn or whatever, and it's it's particularly emotive in this case, right? Because some of the stories that have come out of the porn industry have been really terrible. I mean, there's um, everything that was said about James James Dean before uh, women literally started refusing to work with him, where basically they were saying that what 
he had been doing was sexually assaulting them on camera. They right. hadn't agreed to do what it was they were doing until the camera was rolling, and then they felt that they couldn't stop it happening once sure. it was going. So then you're not you're not just thinking, um, oh, is my is my hobby not okay? Suddenly you're thinking, oh, holy shit, have I have I just uh, masturbated to footage of someone being raped? Right. Yeah. Which which yeah. is not something anyone wants to think ever, right? And and I can no. I can completely. I won't defend it, but I can I can empathize with why someone might prefer to just shut down than actually have a have a serious think about that. I think you're totally right. Well, you know, as as we have come to expect from the men's loop community, I thought, you know, even though we did have some people getting uh, a little defensive in the thread, I thought by and large the thread was fairly positive some some pretty good introspection going there so you know probably that's you know like we said there there is a bit of a soft moratorium on that particular topic just so that we can make sure that we're not spending all of our bandwidth just on that one issue but i'm sure that that's a discussion that we'll come back to you know again in the future and and hopefully we can we can help people maybe take the first step on inquiring a little bit into, you know, how healthy or not uh, this particular uh, habit is. I think we've got, like, just enough time to maybe cover one more post before we dig into the mailbag. Uh, Delta, did you have anything in particular? Um, I think... I, I think I was actually going to bring up the the porn one as well. Although I'll I'll bring up just a, a small kind of funny personal thing, which is that my my girlfriend actually outed me as recording a podcast by taking a photo and putting it on Instagram. <laughs> so <laughs> people have been asking about it, and now this will probably be the episode that they listen to first. Oh, no. So wow. So <laughs> so so thanks for making it the porn one, guys. But I guess that's wow. uh, that's how it works out, isn't it? <laughs> Uh, see, and and the thing is, the the whole thing has actually just been uh, a long con to try to get you fired from uh, your job <laughs> in, in academia. So, so yeah. my, mission accomplished. My job, my job at <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, actually, uh, one more thing before we move on. Uh, I thought it was interesting that Del brought up the Inuit Studio video because I had a very similar like argument about. Uh, this very topic of getting defensive over hobbies on his latest video about how to radicalize a normie. Apparently, one person, or at least a few, had a problem with Gabe, you know, the proverbial uh, normie in the video, the one that would eventually be radicalized. They had a problem with him being identified as a gamer, as Mm -hmm. if that weren't actually relevant. Despite the uh, fact that it is heavily documented and talked about how much of alt-right radicalization happens in gaming forums. So it's, it is, yeah, it's just really weird how that part is the one that is most contested in that area. Well, and that's, that's often the challenge that we have on men's lib, right? That we're trying to... Uh, we're trying to administrate and foster a discussion that is somewhat more nuanced and more thoughtful. And the thing that we're trying to set ourselves apart from uh, is is much more based on like outrage and emotional appeal. You know, it's it's much grabbier, 
I think the, uh, you know, that that sort of like gamer to alt-right radical pipeline, you know, is absolutely fueled by, uh, you know, these people are telling you that you're wrong. It's like, well, we're not we're not saying that you're wrong. We're just saying, like, maybe, you know, maybe dig into your own beliefs a little bit more. You'll be a, a better and healthier person if you do that. Um, it's a little less punchy. It's it's harder to make a, you know, it's harder to make a, a tweet go viral when, you know, all of our tweets are like, here was a very thoughtful discussion about this thing. Whereas, you know, somebody else looking at that, that same thing from the, say, you know, like, the manosphere, the like the men's rights perspective is going, can you believe that they're attacking men like this? Yeah, it's, it's really, you can still play games and such, even if you can you still know, look at porn. Yeah, it, it's not, it's not really bad to just know about things and why they are the way they are. You're probably still going to play games at the end of the day. It's just that you'll probably play better ones. Right. Well, I think that's yeah, and and that's that's going to be you know that's sort of our mandate, right? Is to just help people um, look at these things a little bit more deeply. Look at the ways that you know society shapes your views about particular things, and you know through that process of analysis and and recognition, hopefully you come out on the other side with a much healthier kind of personhood and masculinity. I think also you you have to kind of understand that people who are talking about any you know media being quote unquote problematic none of none of these people are are you know the, the people who are, who are having these conversations are all going to see Marvel films as well right <laughs> in fact the the original joke um, that gave rise to the expression the Bechdel test right which very quickly the Bechdel test is something that requires a film to have two female characters with names who have a discussion with each other about something other than a man, right? And it's a it's kind of a discussion point that's come up a lot where like basically the the crux of it is that a surprisingly large number of films don't pass. Mm-hmm. But the punchline in the comic where this uh, expression was basically invented was that the person who applied the test to everything that she wanted to watch hadn't watched a film since Alien. <laughs> right, <laughs> and that and that was kind of the, the the takeaway is that you know everyone still has to participate in society, so you know no one's no one's saying stop doing that. Right. Should we take a look at the mailbag then? Yeah, I think so. I think it's time for the mailbag. Yeah. All right. So um, I think were these all said to you, Bree, or were they? Is were you just the eagle-eyed person who noticed them? Because uh, I I think I just had my eye on everything, and I just grabbed them as soon as i saw them because they were just too good to pass up i could so, i could easily believe that they were all sent to brie he does seem to be sort of our magnet for this sort of this sort of attention it yeah. it does seem to be me and brie in particular but yeah i think i think brie's the one who gets the most so so from the beginning you have <clears throat> do you losers not like talking or do you only do it when you pay someone to step on your balls <laughs> All right. <laughs> like, like, don't don't insult me with a good time. Like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> also, when I'm paying someone to step on my balls, the last thing I'm interested in is talking. Yeah, true. That. <laughs> that's, not a, that's not a conversation uh, starter, exactly. We're, so we're then, there for different reasons. So then we also had this guy. Um, all right. So 
Go fuck yourself, libtards. This is my 11th band account anyway, so whatever. You wouldn't have lasted five seconds in Iraq. Now, <laughs> which, like, I, I love that. For one thing, that there actually um, there actually are veterans uh, who are, you know, friends of the sub, and there's there's one on the mod team that I'm aware of. So, you know, uh, he lasted more than five seconds. But, right. Um, the, the other thing is, I guess, how, how do you guys feel about being called a liberal? Like, I, I feel like the... <laughs> yeah, I, that's, I, that's way I more take, insulting to me. <laughs> exactly. I take great offense to being uh, referred to as such. Hell, I even said that in uh, one of our threads before. Like, who are you calling a liberal? Like, no. <laughs> I mean, yeah, especially... I love that one, too, because it's, it's such... Uh, I mean, that is definitionally being a keyboard warrior. Right? Yeah. You're not you're not just being a keyboard warrior, but you're literally bringing up your wartime activities to prove something through the keyboard. It's it's literally the Navy SEAL copy pasta, but with much fewer <laughs> words. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's especially funnier here because there is there is a bit of a disconnect in terms of the the definition of the, of the word liberal between America and Europe as well. So so mm-hmm. right. you know, you guys who consider yourselves to be on the left don't call yourself liberals generally speaking, but you will have commentators referring to Elizabeth Warren as being more liberal than someone in the centre, even if actually by the sort of uh, an original definition of those words, that might not actually be true, right? Right, yeah, she's exactly um, as liberal as everybody in the centre. <laughs> yeah, right, well, okay, sure, but um, I mean, she has uh, someone someone who is in favour of more government intervention might be described as more liberal in sure. America, yeah. um, even if that's not what the word originally means. But yeah, like, um, here you have you have three major parties, one of whom has liberal in the name, and uh, anyone who's kind of hung around in our politics discussion knows what I think of them, right? So it's... <laughs> that's the bit that's kind of insulting. And then we have, lastly, um, I I won't read the whole thing out because it's a little bit more, you know, boring and predictable, but you had the soy thing coming up again, which, um, you know, I, I'm kind of surprised that this is still coming up because it's... It basically, you have this myth that um, soy is feminizing because it has a compound in it that sounds a bit like estrogen, right. unlike milk, which has actual estrogen in it. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the soy thing is kind of, I don't know, it's, it's kind of funny to me also because we do have, you know, there's a whole food channel on our Slack and we have a number of people who are you know, dabbling with uh, vegetarianism or veganism. And so we do actually talk about soy a lot, but I don't, <laughs> but I don't think that's, I don't think that it's actually doing anything to, to feminize anybody. And it's certainly not part of some sort of uh, like feminist conspiracy to, uh, you know, emasculate all of us. It's just people are mostly trying to lessen their environmental impact, which, I mean, that's a whole, that's a whole kettle of fish we could get into later about, um, you know, the environmentalism and masculinity, but uh, I, I think we have sort of run the clock out on this one. So yeah, maybe before we go though, um, a very good friend of the sub who I name dropped very early on in the first episode, uh, Herman Villegas, does have a, an excellent podcast episode of Modern Masculinity on uh, yeah. masculinity. Sorry, Modern yeah. Manhood is modern the, name manhood. the podcast, not right. Modern Masculinity. But he has a he has a very good podcast episode on uh, masculinity and the environments, which I'd strongly recommend everyone uh, check out, have a look at. I think it's not unlikely that we'll get Herman on the show at some point. 
Well, it's such it's such a good company as well, right? So yeah, absolutely. We <laughs> well, thank you everybody for tuning into our our third episode. If this is your first exposure to the men's lib dialogue, we'd love it if you wanted to come over and join us on the subreddit. We're on Reddit at slash r slash men's lib, and of course you can follow us on Twitter as well at men's lib Reddit. And if you like what we're doing and you like to mostly help us pay for hosting costs uh we're on patreon also so if you have a a dollar you could float us that would that would help us out a lot that's uh patreon.com slash men's lib modcast um thank you delta thank you brie for making time on a on a saturday to record this conversation thank you too all right take care guys all right we'll see you all next week bye then